and I'm wandering through the woods near where I live at the moment. It is Sunday the 17th of November 2019. It's very cold but the sun is out and it's one of those really cool almost frosty mornings. There's mist across the downs and I'm walking with my two dogs and thinking about my children. I wanted to do a podcast of some kind um, so I've decided on a walking podcast um, at the moment anyway because I think it helps me to walk and talk at the same time. This podcast is about grief and all the things that, all the emotions that that brings after losing a child, particularly losing a child to childhood cancer. I have three children at the moment, 14 and was 12 and 10, Um, two girls and a boy, and my son, my middle child, Benjamin, was diagnosed with Lyme disease and acute myeloid leukemia in June 2018. Uh, He subsequently went through two rounds of chemotherapy before beginning conditioning in Bristol for a stem cell transplant. We managed to get him home at Christmas last year which was incredible. After six months pretty much wholly in a hospital. We didn't actually go home with him once. We went past the house and we drove into the driveway on the way to other hospitals but we wouldn't. I didn't want him to go inside because he knew that he would want to stay indoors and play and be with the cats and his sisters and the dogs. (laughs) James, my husband and I took the decision to not do that because we felt it would be too emotionally upsetting for him and we were right to do that at the time it was a choice we made and he was largely in hospital for six months door to door when we got home on the 23rd I think it was of December that was amazing and we spent five months or so with relatively good health anybody who understands what anybody goes through with a stem cell transplant it is extremely taxing on the body and so life has been very isolated we've kept ourselves to ourselves and you know for worries about infection and various other things um ben did end up having some infections which ultimately was proven to be leukemia starting up again ben was amazing and at the beginning of July, just after our sort of year pause, if you like, from diagnosis, we were told that the leukemia was sadly back in his body and that it was unlikely anything could be done. There are cows in the background, in case you can hear anything while I'm walking. I'm overlooking a beautiful field of ploughed corn and mist on the downs and it's quite beautiful. I think what I'm going to do is take a photo here and uh, and I'll put that on the blog. 
as well. So Ben was well, told, we were told that he had relapsed in July and we went back to PB, to PM Brown Ward in Southampton where we were informed that there was one chance that they were going to end for. So he had a further round of chemo and we were going to be going up to Great Ormond Street to have a chat about a potential second stem cell transplant with radio immunotherapy. We absolutely grabbed this opportunity with both hands thinking that, you know, if this was the one shot we got, then it would be okay. On the day that we'd gone up to Gosh, we realised that that wasn't going to be the case. And, and we were informed on our return that uh, the leukaemia was just too aggressive and it was now refractory which meant that it was chemo resistant and it had mutated in a different way which meant there was very little hope, no hope of uh, him being um, making it through to being well enough for stem cell transplant. So there were a lot of feelings to uh, to deal with being told that there was no hope for Lenny. Um, and as a mum, there's every hope. <laughs> we don't see it like that at all. And even in the last few days, last few hours, just love and hope that's that's all I could feel and uh, even as, as things were going in the direction that we never anticipated always hope so Ben gained his angel wings left the earth died, passed away on Saturday the 10th of August this year six days after his 12th birthday I died in my arms and now it's sort of 14 weeks on I wanted to reach out the whole purpose of this podcast actually however it happens and tumbles out of my mouth all my thoughts the idea is to reach out to other bereaved parents and to try and give some comfort try and stand in solidarity and just be there and discuss topics that you know it's not very easy for all your friends to listen to and your family to listen to but you know, to open the conversation about grief, losing a child to cancer and trying to not even it's not even about finding a way through, it's just simply about being there for each other discussing topics that, you know if there's anything in particular you want to discuss, if anybody would like to come and chat to me and record an interview in due course that would be 
amazing and no doubt incredibly humbling. I feel like there's so much to cover. There's such a lot to discuss and not everybody is up for discussing but I feel like there's a community of people out there and if you're anything like us as a family it feels really isolating it feels you can have as many friends and family around you and that's no disrespect to them but until you've been through it it's very difficult to put into words any feeling of grief when you lose a child to cancer because it's just the most unbearable pain it's astonishing and still you know we wake up in the morning everything's okay for three seconds and then it's just not okay so I've come out the woods now and so you'll hear well you might hear crunching of gravel under my feet as I'm walking on the pavement on a little lane and now I'm heading back up to the house so what I wanted to try and look at I suppose and talk about because I will bounce about through different topics but initially that whole gaping void that you feel is so difficult to deal with we have found and particularly well we've both found James and I have found that anything to do with distracting yourself is one of the ways and one of the only ways probably to try and get yourself through each day aside from the chaos of the day itself and the shock, the complete and utter disbelief, disappointment, sadness. Yeah, just shock of uh, of the day everybody is different everybody has different situations we had about eight paramedics blocking the lane from three different counties because we sit on the edge of Hampshire uh, Surrey and Sussex and we also had an air ambulance on the day I will go into more detail over the particular day when it all happened but I think that is still something I need to reflect on and process before I start to you know discuss it out loud. Um, I am writing a book about our journey in the hope that somewhere it will help others in their journey and it's not even a journey is it let's face it who says journey we do (laughs) her journey pertains to something getting eight from a to b and you know hopefully it having a happy ending ours 
had an ending that nobody wants to have and even that I still feel is it's not an ending it's just a change so it's a little later in the morning now and I'm walking honey my golden retriever at Alice Holt it's beautiful here we have brought the children here over the years quite a few times for walks and gatherings and things I remember with their children's first school at Itchenabbas they came here uh, for a little trip out, a little day trip out and as I'm walking today it's amazing how when you go to places that you've been with all of your children the mix of emotions of happiness and complete and utter grief are overwhelming it's a busy Sunday it's sunny and bright there are lots of families here and lots of families playing and I can't help but wish um, that I had all three of my children still I'm thinking about the first sort of few hours almost or the first day after losing a child for us uh, for me I suppose it was just that complete and utter crushing pain um, in your chest you sort of wake up open your eyes and you're sort of in a permanent state of has this actually just happened and that's how I've been feeling probably every day since it did happen we're now in November and everyone I speak to says you know it's early days and don't put any pressure on yourself and be gentle to yourself and all of these things and that's lovely and ultimately you've got to find a way through on your own and everybody is going to be different and every experience for every single person who goes through this sort of trauma and loss is going to be different I'm just walking up to the wooden tubes at Alice Holt and immediately I flash back to a memory that I had where all three children were climbing, clambering all over this thing and they were tiny or tinier and uh, this must have been two or three years ago now and they were running in and out of these tubes or climbing in and out of them and giggling and I've got some lovely photos of the children and one in particular of Ben where he's absolutely screwing up his face with laughter and it's absolutely beautiful and now as I'm looking at it and I don't have my son with me it is absolutely the most painful thing you could possibly imagine so without bursting into tears at every god-given moment (laughs) I'm going to try and carry on with this podcast the funny thing is you are looking around at these lovely families going about their day and I don't know about anybody else but I find myself glancing at the children that look remotely like my son and wondering if it's him and uh, I know the brutal reality is that it's not I don't know how hard this is going to be to do this podcast, but I'm going to try and keep going. So, 
That feeling of complete and utter devastation every morning is something that doesn't seem to go. (laughs) And I'm realising every single day that it's actually getting harder (laughs) and more more difficult some days you know the mundane the everyday the the things that you have always taken for granted suddenly without your full family unit are excruciatingly painful and it could be a simple tiny thing like I don't know going in to kiss your child good morning in the morning you know now I go into Ben's room And I've actually started writing in his room because I feel that's what he would want me to do. But I go into his room in the morning and I kiss his pillow. And I tell him good morning. And I tell him what the day is doing and what the sky is doing. I kiss the toys. I kiss his photo. I tell him I love him and I ask him to be with me during the day. And um, being a sort of spiritual person, I ask for signs that he's around. And I find it very comforting when I find um, a little feather on the ground or... I find a coin on the ground and it's the year that he was born... I think grieving is something that nobody ever wants to look at and nobody ever talks about. And as hard as it is for me doing this, I still feel really driven by the need to reach out to other parents and other families, to reach out to those people who have lost children to cancer particularly but who have lost children anyway and to encourage them to speak to each other to you know it's not even that people are afraid to talk but I think we live in this society where the things that are sad and the things that are the unknown and the things that are the, the experiences that nobody ever wants to go through are largely swept under the carpet, but it's awkward, it's hard for people. It's difficult for families and friends who've still got their children that are the same age as the child that you lost. It's hard for them, but it's equally hard for you and you know I have had family who have made that statement already and said that they're aware that you know Ben was the same age as their child or a similar age and they know how hard it is so they don't want to push to meet me or to get together or anything and Sometimes that's fine, and other times you think, well, I'm still me, but I'm not me. (laughs) I'm very much changed, and I can understand why people might 
steer clear or cross the other side of the road or just drop away from you because your life has changed so hugely that it's never going to be the same again and you just have to find your way through it somehow after Ben died in those first particularly those first few days I found myself just sort of staring into space a lot the feeling of overwhelm is something you can't really put into words it's just there you open your eyes you know it's another day without your child and if you have other children and I do have two other girls it's extremely difficult to try and be your best because you you have to be your best for your other kids because they need you especially at a point where you know for our girls they've just lost their brother they still don't talk particularly openly about things but it has only been 14 weeks it's not been long at all one of the things that happened pretty soon after uh, Ben died was that a friend of mine a lovely friend of mine come on honey set up DKMS Rocks on Facebook and DKMS is a charity that supported our family very much through from appeal stage for a stem cell donor to, you know, with Ben getting through his stem cell transplant, we still had very much a connection with that charity. So she set up this page and uh, my lovely friend Jane and within just a few days people were painting rocks and putting Ben's Epic Journey on them Uh, bensepicjourney.org is a blog that we started for Ben not long after he was diagnosed just to be able to update friends and family really but we've carried on because we are now in a different situation but I feel very much that this is not a journey, a pathway an experience that is over we are in it (laughs) and almost still at the beginning so to see people painting pebbles, raising awareness for DKMS because there are only 2% of people that are on the stem cell register which is absolutely astonishing when we were looking for a donor we were very lucky in that Within a few weeks, we found that there were three confirmed potential donors, and that was then whittled down to two, and then one, (laughs) and this lovely person donated their stem cells for Ben. And, And when I think about it, you know, three people in you know, seven billion in the world, three people 
that are a match for one boy and that to me is wonderful yet also alarming you know there should be easily a match for everyone on this earth and you know it's it's one of those things that has become you know a bit of a driving force really for me I'm a bit of an advocate for stem cell donation now um, having been completely afraid of it years ago when Anthony Nolan did uh, did all the adverts back in the day for 70s somewhere um, it was something that I felt I remember seeing these adverts as a child and thinking I don't know what bone marrow transplant is and I don't know what bone marrow donation is but it sounds really scary um, and what I've come to learn and realize is the fact that it's not it is very much like giving blood something else we learned on our journey in our experience through childhood cancer is that everybody who donates blood in general the two places that it is likely to go mostly is either the oncology unit or A&E so for road traffic accidents or emergencies your blood is used to help those people and oncology units it's largely used for cancer patients because in between having chemotherapy with the changes that go through your body you do need blood it's not normal to have pints of blood uh, donated and given to you but as somebody who needs it you must have it so I didn't know a lot about it at the time but I am now a stem cell donor if anybody would like my stem cells <laughs> at any point I will be extremely proud and honoured to do that for somebody that day may yet come we don't know and you have to be between 17 and 55 I'm thankfully still in that bracket <laughs> so if it comes if the day comes I will let you know and it'll be very exciting so this page DKMS Rocks on Facebook can easily be found and what we have seen now we've got over a thousand members in uh, in these few weeks which is quite incredible and rocks are painted with Avengers or superheroes on because Ben always loved the Avengers and Marvel and films and Lego so all of these wonderful characters are being painted on these rocks and these rocks are then placed hidden away to be found once they're found people come along and post them on the page and post photos and then they rehide them somewhere else which is absolutely lovely it raises awareness for DKMS it raises awareness for Ben's epic journey and childhood cancer which is something that needs to happen in the early days I mean it is the early days still but in the really early days, I'm talking one or two days after we lost Ben. As I say, I sat, I'd be doing things um, or sitting or you know, cooking meals. And for the first few days, I ended up you know, putting a plate out for Ben. And I don't do that now, but I do imagine him sitting at the table with us or just taking the plate up to his room, which he usually did. 
I continued to try and write but I couldn't the first couple of days obviously because I just would sit in astonishment and uh, and in tears um, just disbelieving what had happened so I started to write again a couple of weeks in and actually I had written a comedy novel bizarrely I'd finished it earlier in the year and was in the process of getting it self-published I did add an extra page or two in the book in the end I added it because I wanted to explain that in the month of me publishing that um, I had lost my son and I also wanted to raise awareness of DKMS a charity that had supported us that brings stem cell donors to the register along with Anthony Nolan and Be The Match I must add as well and I, I published that with a couple of nods to Ben in there as well because he had endured me reading through some of the story while he was in hospital not much but a little bit but he was so funny and would come up with little quips and ideas to put in so there is there is one particular nod with a full name to one of the characters that he thought of literally in the weeks before he died and I was absolutely determined to edit it in which I did so I'm very pleased with that uh, so I ended up self-publishing that the Kindle version on uh, mine and James's wedding anniversary but also the day that Ben would have been going for his second stem cell transplant at Great Ormond Street and that was on the 9th of September and then on the 18th I think around that time when he would have actually started his conditioning for radioimmunotherapy I managed I think it was actually it might have been the day before about the 17th of September I managed to get the paper back up uh, online but writing is something that I find soothing and is my immediate go-to for uh, relief uh, to be honest and and whether that is writing poetry or lyrics, whether that is um, uh, just writing a blog post, writing a Facebook post, I do find that getting my words down on paper or in some other format really healing and helpful. But that is just me, and it's not it's not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody can. Uh, feels they can talk about these sorts of things or feels they can write about these sorts of things some of you might like to write a journal some of you might have been writing a journal literally day to day I know that when we were going through stem cell transplant I started writing a sort of diary at the beginning of uh, things when Ben had just been diagnosed I thought it would be helpful and actually useful because some of the terminology and some of the medication that Ben was on I couldn't even <laughs> imagine how to pronounce or how to write down so I did make notes however as we 
it got on to the time when he was going through his stem cell transplant in Bristol I stopped writing because I found it just too difficult and also life was busy you know you might think while you're in hospital that you're going to be twiddling your thumbs but it depends and it depends how much you want to be involved in helping your child or whether you want to just leave the nurses and the doctors to it which equally it's up to you I found keeping busy and supporting Ben as best I could very much something that I, I just had to do I find writing something that comes quite easily as you can hear I'm, I'm quite a communicator I'm quite a chatty person on a normal day-to-day basis I'm a very social person I think grief and this particular situation has left me a bit more akin to a hermit <laughs> and I'm sure I will you know become more social again over time but it is very very difficult uh, some days you just don't want to get out of bed but with other children I find that I have to so you don't get a choice in the matter but writing for me is very much uh, it's just very natural it comes very very easily to me we also found that in the first the first week after in fact it was straight after Ben's celebration of life and that's a whole different story as well that was extremely difficult to get through and we will talk about that perhaps on this podcast perhaps on another podcast but what some people do and what we chose to do straight after literally the day after Ben's celebration of life we decided that we would go away for just a week at the time to Devon because when you're at home and your child has died at home it is difficult from uh, a couple of factors one being the fact that you have lost your child and the other being you have lived with your child in that home so there is that duality there again of happiness and complete feeling of you know just being bereft so we decided to go out to Devon just for a week and the pebbles the rocks that we found that we gathered from the beach we ordered some little pen paints and we painted those rocks and actually it was extremely therapeutic it was therapeutic for me it was therapeutic for James and actually the girls really enjoyed it as well and it was just a very calming situation to be in as luck would have it after the first week because it was sort of late in the the day we home educate so we didn't have to worry about much about school times our eldest is doing some online study so we we let the online school know and we stayed away for a further week in the same place it just happened to be vacant which was a blessing completely and so we stayed away for two weeks what we found there was the fact that we could just be ourselves we could start to try and adjust to being a family of four rather than a family of five there will always be a family of five from a practical sense and it is a huge huge adjustment but the creative side even if it was just reading writing blogging 
painting pebbles was really really helpful for our family. I'm now in the middle of writing a book uh, that I did start, <laughs> that I stopped in the middle of the stem cell transplant and I didn't really write much at all diary wise or any other otherwise <laughs> once we'd got home and and that in all honesty was because I just felt we were moving forward and Ben was doing so well he was so happy to be home you know he really enjoyed going back to his bedroom we have two cats, rhubarb and custard, and his cat really is rhubarb, although both cats have been very much in his room uh, since he's passed. And, and we have two dogs, Honey and Gus, and he spent the first sort of days of being home just cuddling the animals. <laughs> Obviously we still had to be very careful, we still had a line in, a central line, and you know, so we had to watch things a little bit. But I didn't write because life was looking good. Yes, we were sort of living a bit of a sheltered life. We were just getting back to normal, if there was any such thing as normal at all, which I don't think there was or is. <laughs> it was only when things started going downhill again a little in the spring that I started worrying. And then... Uh, since Ben has died, I decided that actually he would want me to write this book because it will, in some way, I hope, help other people. So I have started writing again and I, th I feel that creativity uh, on a number of fronts is crucial for me to get through every day. I'm still walking in Alice Holt. You can probably hear me strolling. I've got my retriever honey walking with me. She's already had a walk this morning. When we when we started this podcast, we were walking around our local woods. And I'm now at Alice Holt strolling around and uh, she's doing very well. But she's getting a bit tired, so we will be heading back to the car park and heading home soon leaves are well they're like the trees are like traffic light trees a lot of them that I'm walking by at the moment really really beautiful I know if Ben was with me he would be on his bike pedalling up and down telling me to hurry up whizzing out of sight with me yelling at him to come back where I could see him <laughs> but he'd be having a lot of fun And so I see that a lot in my mind's eye. I'm imagining him with me a lot. And next time when I'm here, hopefully the girls will be with me and James will be with me as well. But actually, um, and it's no detriment to my family, it is lovely to be walking on my own to be able to get these words out. Because sometimes I think, and that's another topic, is grieving very differently from your partner or grieving differently from the children you know the children have lost their brother James and I have lost a son and and James and I grieve differently I think there is 
a huge difference in some ways between men and women. You know, women generally tend to want to talk about it. It's not always the case. That's a very huge generalisation. And I think dads find it difficult because they immediately want to fix the situation. And this is something that cannot be fixed. It's not a problem to be solved. It is not something that is going to change overnight. It will never change. Life has changed around you and the only way to move forward is to look it in the eye and acknowledge what's happened, accept it and not let go of it but let go of the trauma surrounding it and try and put one foot in front of the other. And what I hope from this podcast is that I can put one foot of in front of the other with you and we can walk alongside each other and we can be there for each other and, you know, know that you've got a listening ear and I hope that this will help somebody somewhere to know that it's okay to feel exactly how you feel and it's okay to, to struggle, it's okay to cry... And it's okay to just feel how you feel. And every day will be different. But I really, really hope that that I can find things to talk about. I'm sure I'll find lots to talk about over time. And we'll look at different topics. But I hope this is a place where we can be open and honest about how we're all feeling. You know, parents, grandparents, and I hope it becomes a safe space for everybody to talk. And if any of you ever want to take part or to feel brave enough to have a chat, then please get in touch with me. I guess this first podcast is about just the experience that we have had as a family why I'm doing it I'm doing it because I want to help others and I want to reach out to others in the hope of helping and standing in support of each other I hope that these podcasts become something positive for people to tune into um, so that they know and you know that you're not alone and that we are all together in this as hard as it is and it'll be about finding a way forward but not to get over this this is not something to get over it's something to move with whilst keeping the child that is no longer physically in your family present within your family and within your life It's about finding ways of being creative and distracting yourself, I guess, as well, because distraction is a good part of getting through the day, especially, um, I found in the early days, um, most of the time you are trying to focus on anything else to get away from the the pain and the exhaustion of acceptance and accepting what has happened because 
that is largely too overwhelming to deal with and it just takes one step at a time, one day at a time, one minute at a time of finding things to occupy yourself with to try and lift your spirits because otherwise you'd spend your days living under a duvet crying and for me, for our family, I honestly feel Ben would feel so sad looking back at us if he felt that we were too sad to be able to live our lives to the full. It is really difficult day to day. I don't want to live without him, but at the same time, you know, I just have to keep going. I have to keep going for my girls. I have to keep going for James. And I know, and I feel honestly in my heart that he is with me. Even if he just flits in and out <laughs> every so often, just to say hello, or just to give me a nod, send me a sign. Yes, I'm listening. Yes, I'm paying attention. Yes, I've I've seen you and I feel the love that you are sending me through the universe because that's what I do every day. I send it to all my children, wherever they are, <laughs> whether they are on this earth or up in the skies above. It's not something I ever anticipated happening, all of this, but it's happened and I am determined in my own grief to reach out to others to help other people and other parents and I hope in some small way today this has helped lift you just a little I send you love I send you light I hope you find a way through your day knowing that you're not alone and that there is somebody around and there is somebody that you can connect with if you want to. We're all in it together. Have a lovely day people. <laughs>